0: And welcome to the Sell the Sizzle podcast. This is the show if you want to sell an idea, a product, or a service. We're going to share sales techniques with you so that you can be a sizzling success. Let's go. And this week we're talking about building your executive presence. What do I mean by executive presence? I quite like saying... It's the ability to talk a dog off a meat counter. Imagine a dog who walks into a butcher's and all the meat's laid out, and there you are, you're the dog's owner, and that dog is salivating, ready to go and take that T-bone and run forward, and you give a word of command. It's a quiet word, and the dog just sits and look at looks at you. That's the power of executive presence. It's that ability to have a level of authority and inspire people to do what you want them to do. And in sales, we're inspiring people to walk a journey with us, to buy our services, uh, to take a risk with us. So they want to know that they trust you. And if you're selling, you know, a high value service, which I know many of you are, then then you're probably talking to a fairly senior person in the uh, prospect organization, the CEO, the owner, or a key person. And so you want to be able to establish a relationship with them. And, you know, you can either, uh, you, you can be in two modes with that prospective buyer. You can be a peer or a supplier. Now, a peer is somebody, I think you have the same level of gravitas, the same level of authority, the same position, the 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 same perspectives on business. You're a business person, as opposed to looking at you as a supplier of product where you're saying, well, we're we going to talk about price or something like that. And, you know, once I've had a quick conversation and I've worked out what kind of supplier you are, I'm going to send you to my relevant person in my organisation. But you want to work and build a relationship with the decision maker and you need to stay at the decision making level or even practice anti-gravity. You might get into an organisation at a lower level, but you percolate to the top because you're seen as that person with executive present, command, authority, conviction, confidence a quiet calm and people gravitate towards that and you know executive presence it's some it's a, it's, a, it's an aura it's it's i'm going to give you some practical examples of how you can you can build your aura how you can transfer that confidence and conviction so that you're seen as an authority. So I'm going to come on to a few things, uh, literally five things that will enable you to do that. But here's the thing. The determination as to whether you're a peer or a supplier is made in the space of a few heartbeats, not minutes of conversation, not hours of debate, not even seconds of saying hello, it happens in the space of a few heartbeats. And there was some fascinating research done by uh, a lady called Natalie Ambady, A-M-B-A-D-Y. What she did was she filmed college professors teaching their course. Maybe they were teaching physics, maybe they were teaching math, maybe they were teaching English literature. And she would uh, condense that video into a clip of a few seconds, so completely silent clip. And she played that clip to potential Students who were going to be taking that class and asked the students to rate those teachers' ability just based on silent video of two seconds. And then she uh, did a survey at the end of the first semester. So the results were randomised and she took a collective opinion across all of the people who took those classes and she asked the same question. She asked them to rate the um, college professor's ability to communicate and teach the subject at the end of a semester and the results were unerringly the same. So we as human beings have the capacity to within a few heartbeats, a few seconds of non-verbally looking at somebody and imbibing their presence and their aura to determine how effective they are. I mean, this is an incredibly uh, powerful thing. So it's probably worth taking a moment or two to so think about how do how do we how do we work on uh, on our executive presence, and let's just think a little bit about communication. Often, you know, when you know other salespeople, I've done this in the past. You know, we're going to give a presentation. We spend forever thinking about you know writing the words, writing the PowerPoint. Um, you, know, com- you know, thinking about the words that we're going to say uh, to be able to communicate our message. So here's an interesting statistic, or fact, actually. Um, How much of communication do you think is conveyed by the words that we actually say? Give you a moment or two to think about that. Would you be shocked to find out that it's only 7% only 7% of our communication is the words that we say. The biggest impact is how we look. That's not just what we're wearing, but our posture, our body posture, uh, and how, we, how we're looking at the person, how we're engaging them with our, with our eyes. That's 55%. And the third element is how we sound. That's thirty-eight percent. So if I'm if I'm very nervous and I'm speaking very very quickly, sounds very different to I have a very important proposition for you here. Very communicating is that you could use the same words but expressed with a different tonality, a different cadence, uh, a, a different uh, inflection. Really changes the information that you are communicating, the confidence in which you're exuding. So if you add the the, how we look comprises 55% and how we sound comprises 38%, literally 93% of our communication is non-verbal. So if we're wanting to convey presence and and, and and a... it, an aura of authority. Ninety-three percent of it is going to be non-verbal. So let's take a moment and think about the current media that we use in sales to communicate with our prospects and our clients. Well, what, what, one of the most popular ones is, you know, Zoom calls or or Teams calls. Any kind of video um, call. And if we think about that call, right, and we think about how we look, it it staggers me when I get on Zoom calls with people, the kind of things that that people wear. When I get onto a Zoom call and I'm talking to a business prospect and I'm wanting to convey a business image you know, I'll, I'll at least take my T-shirt off, you know, go into the bedroom and put on a collared shirt that's, uh, you know, that's one colour that conveys a little crispness, a little professionalism and, you know, makes a big difference. So if I'm looking at somebody who's wearing a, you know, a, 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 a T-shirt versus a collared shirt, it, it's, it, it conveys a different uh, impression. The second thing is, you know, there's going to be a backdrop to wherever you are, and what they see in terms of a backdrop could be your living room, could be your office, could be your bookshelf. People are making impressions based on the books that are on your bookshelf. So so pay attention to that Zoom call and, you know, what you are wearing, because it will change the way that you're received, particularly by somebody new. They're going to be making that instantaneous assessment. Now let's think about the telephone. On the telephone, all they can hear, they can't see you. So we've taken out how we look, the 55% of how we look. And all they're hearing is how we sound. And the words that we use, but remember sound is 38% and the words we're using is 7%. Let me do a little bit of math there. Five sevens of 35. So, so how we sound is five conveys five times the amount of information than the words that we're using. So we're not in a good calm positive frame of mind when we approach that call then it doesn't matter what words we say they're going to be less effective and the other point is that those words should be congruent with how we sound so if i really believe in what i what what i say i sound i have much more conviction if i don't believe in my product or my service um or I feel as though i 'm intruding on their day and i don 't have value to offer. you might say that i 've got a powerful service, but i 'll say something like well i 'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, you know we 've got a really good offer for you. We could uh, you know install your complete hVAC system um, but um, yeah yeah I, I really think we can I really think we can do that and if you 've got um, Bob the Builder cartoons. If your children watch them on the television, uh, there was always Bob the Builder, you know, Bob would say, they would say, Bob, can you fix it? And Bob would come on and he would say, yes, we can. And you believe Bob because he's the builder, right? <laughs> he would fix it. And then it would pan to, we had this. It had this construction crane and his name was Lofty. And uh, you know he's big and he's tall, but he would never really had very much confidence. And they would say to Lofty, I'd say, Well Lofty do you think you can do? It? Well I, I don't I don't really know Bob and Bob would say, Yes we can and so you want to be more like Bob the Builder than Lofty the Crane. <laughs> So um, that confidence in your voice is, uh, is very, very important on the telephone, which for salespeople is an important medium. And I would advocate you going to one of the earlier episodes, eliminate phone call phobia, and make sure that you make those telephone calls. Um, now, in terms of the how we look, um, it does actually convey on the telephone, because if you are sitting more upright, right, and you are you are poised and your posture is good, that posture infects the way that you sound, so we'll come back to a little bit of that, so there is some, you know, don't slouch when you're on a telephone call, but I'll, I'll come back, I'll come back to that. So um, here are five ways that you can increase your aura, that you can have more executive presence. Because it is an acquired skill. It's a demonstrated capability. Don't feel uh, that you don't have the necessary credentials or conviction. You are an authority in your subject area, so you want to be positive. But here's the thing. The first impression is uh, often conveyed even before you show up in person or on the phone, because people are looking at your social profiles. They're looking at your LinkedIn profile, particularly business to business. So on your LinkedIn profile, here are three things that you must do to seem professional. Number one, you've got to get a professional headshot. It's not facebook i don't want to see your wedding picture i want to see somebody who's smiling if you're smiling you're much more approachable um you know your your shoulders are relaxed your posture is good even if it's just the head and shoulders um um, picture you're conveying you know a calm assurance i would suggest that you probably have a collared shirt um if you're really in, you know, high-end business sales, you might even want to have a tie, or that seems to be less vogue these days. The second thing, you have a space there on your LinkedIn profile to put, you know, most people put their title. You And, and people, when they're looking at it, I'm not really interested in what your title is. That doesn't necessarily convey... Um, authority. I want to know what you can do for me. If I'm looking at your, your uh, profile, I've got a meeting coming up with Mick Holly. Who the hell is he? I look up his LinkedIn profile. What does he look like? What's his, what's his career been? How can he help me? And instead of writing your title, you can write, I help general contractors deliver projects on time and within budget might be a might be a headline um, one person that uh, that I worked with um, she was in the business of selling high-end elevators cabs uh, and um, that sale is so technical that the expertise that she had to bring about all of the quality issues all of the legal safety, protocols. She was clearly seen as an authority in that space. And if you wanted to put together a bid on um, an an elevator or a series of elevators in a building, you would need to talk to her. And her title says, The Elevator Lady. I mean, who else would you go call if you wanted an elevator bid, right? You go and see The Elevator Lady. Very powerful. And then the last thing... Most, um, if you have executive presence, you've normally got a very good network. And so people are looking to see, are you well connected? And on LinkedIn, it will show the number of contacts that you have up to 500. Once you get to 500, it just says 500 plus. And most people can find 500 contacts. It's not really very credible. I had somebody call me, <laughs> I had somebody call me, um, Sent me a, a, a LinkedIn text and Mick, I can help you with uh, with with getting new leads and building your network. I thought, well, that's a, that's interesting. Uh, look at the uh, uh, LinkedIn, and she had forty-seven contacts. I mean, how how is she going to help me? I don't have belief that she can help me network when she doesn't have a network. So you see that communication, first impression. You know happens well ahead of time so that 's point number one: make sure that your social profiles have got good, simple, powerful uh, audience facing messaging, and get professional headshots done right number two this is this is a biggie posture so how you sit how you walk changes how you 're perceived and there was a uh, there 's a great TED talk. Uh, with uh, Amy Cuddy, C-U-D-D-Y. She's a social psychologist at Harvard. And what what she did, she created this really fascinating experiment where she would have people go for a job interview. And now, job interviews are very, very stressful. And she used that as a vehicle to create an environment where there's a level of stress. So if you and I are going to go into a new sales meeting, there's a certain level of anxiety, right? You don't know the person, you don't know how it's going to go. So it's a little bit of stress. So she simulated that by having these um, people go for a job interview. And the job interview had a panel of three people who were designed not to give any cues as to how the interview was going. So made it made it even more pro- uh, stressful. And what she did, she broke them into two groups, and she asked them to stand uh, in what we call a high power pose, so arms stretched you know like like Superman or Wonder Woman um you know upright arm stretched very very open and what she found when she tested their um, blood levels is that high power pose raised testosterone by 20%. Our testosterone gives us, you know, more confidence, right? Um, So your confidence has gone up 20%. And it also reduced the cortisol, the stress hormone by 25%. So you become 20% more confident and 25% less stress. You're calm, but confident going in. Conversely, she asked half of the group to take a low-power probe Pose before the interview. So, sitting with their arms crossed, their legs crossed. Um, and, you know, that reduced the testosterone. So, it reduced their confidence level and raised their cortisol. So, it raised their stress lo- level. Now, the, the, um, on, on a blind study, it, it, practically every person that had taken the high power pose got the job offer because the the, the interviewers didn't know. They just said, this is a very confident person, a lot of conviction, and very relaxed in the interview. We could could hire them. So just something as simple as that. So think about this. Let's take the telephone. I said I would come back to it. If you're going to make an important telephone call, don't sit slouched in your chair and have that conversation because you you won't have the same level of energy and you'll be a little bit more stressed. Whereas if you've stood up and walked around the room and stretched, you'll be in a different position. And I will often advocate, I'll do, I'll do telephone calls standing up. You sound much different when you do a telephone call standing up versus sitting down. It conveys more confidence. Now, if you're going to a, a, a new meeting, maybe you're meeting a, a new commercial a contractor, you're working with the GC, you're going to their office. Um, before you go into their office, you know, you might even be sitting in their trailer or you might be sitting in their office and you're sitting in the chair and you're all punched up in that and that's a natural low power pro pose so when you go to shake hands you've got that lower level of energy and higher level of stress and your executive presence will be different so what i want you to do when you go into meetings is walk around in the uh, in in and stretch and open your arms and build up that take a few deep breaths and you'll come over with much, much more conviction. So posture, very, very important. Even when you're on the telephone at home where you think nobody can see you, that posture will convey through to how you sound and the level of conviction. It will change your body chemistry and the message and the communication and the presence will be different. That's number two, posture. Very important. Just take a a very positive posture before you have any key meetings or conversations. Third thing, breathing. Why do babies sound so loud when they cry? They're tiny little things. The reason is is that they use their diaphragm to be able to project their their breath and their voice. And as we get older, we typically don't breathe and use our diaphragm, so we sound a little bit more shallow. And if you open it up, right... That, that voice box that goes all the way from your, you know, your mouth down through to the diaphragm, it's a resonating chamber. And if you stretch it up, your voice deepens a little bit and it sounds more convincing. Now, Margaret Thatcher, um, Prime Minister of the UK, um, was had a very squeaky voice um, before she became prime minister, Um fact, <laughs> a rather unfortunate nickname because um, the press in in the, in the UK are, are mean. Like all you know, the press—they'll find ways to. And and one that we used to get milk delivered every day at school, and their little crate of milk—it would be a third of a pint of milk. Every person in the school, all the kids, would get a third of a pint of milk. All that protein and and uh, goodness which you know solved a lot of ills but she said it was too expensive so she c- she cancelled the milk program she was her nickname was margaret thatcher milk snatcher <laughs> but um she was becoming prime minister or running for prime minister and Sir John Gielgud, the great thespian, said to her, look, you need to go and get some voice lessons because your voice is too squeaky and you need to be able to lower your voice. And there's actually a video on uh, on YouTube. If you go to Margaret Thatcher before and after voice coaching, they've actually looked at uh, the, the the frequency of a voice and it's however many hurts, it is lower after she's had voice coaching. Now, I'm not suggesting you get voice coaching, but I am suggesting that when you are speaking or when you're going to give a presentation or even when you go to a meeting, you know, again, get that posture erect, put your shoulders back, open up that resonating chamber, and you'll have a much more melodious and deep voice which conveys more presence it lowers the pitch slightly so try it when you're on the, try it when you're on the phone just stretch and use that take a deep breath and then start speaking and that's number 3 breathing number 4 master the art of the pause did you see that that pause had you hanging there for a second you think oh did the recording stop? What's going on? And, and, and you and you immediately got more attentive, and you were waiting for the next moment. And when we're in a sales situation, often we'll talk a lot. It was funny. I was on a I was on a uh, a sales call the other day, and uh, the prospect said, "Mick, all my key people speak French, and you speak English." And when you do the next call with me, I want the call to be done in French. Then I know that you can partner with my people. Fair enough, right? Fair enough. So I got one of my colleagues, uh, French-born citizen, um, now i in, in the US, American, and I was on the call. Now my French is not good enough to follow the conversation. So I'm on this call listening to... My colleague talked to this prospect. It's a sales call, and ninety percent of the time, my colleague was talking and the client was listening. When on a sales course, sales call, you want it to be the opposite. You only want to be speaking twenty five percent of the time, and for the prospect to be talking seventy five percent of the time. So it was just really, really stark. Uh, as to the, uh, the difference there. So when you ask a question, you've always got good questions in sales, just master the pause and then wait. Don't take up that pause. Don't try to fill the air because your prospect is thinking give them time to take in your question for them to formulate a response so the other op- the other great benefit of mastering the pause is when you've asked that question you can take a deep breath quietly but what does that breathing do? We already told I already told you it, it, it gives you more energy, but it opens up your diaphragm, it opens up your resonating chamber, and when you do speak, it won't be a it won't be a squeak, right? It will be a nice resonant resonant, melodious sound that conveys conviction. Okay, point number five. Again, we're trying to build our executive presence. Executives are thinking about the future. They've got to take the organisation. They've got to take their business, their project to the next level. They're thinking about the future. Don't wallow in the problem. Bask in the future success. So when you're talking to your prospect you'll say okay i've got i've got the idea they've told you a little bit about what they want don't start solving the problem don't start getting into the technical nuances there and then you are an executive you are interested in successful outcomes not so much as the detail of the of the problem so one of the questions i ask is maybe it's a Eight-month construction, you might say. Well, what what will what will it look like in nine months' time? What will it feel like if this goes well? Then master the pause, and allow them to fill that silence with. The glow of success. They'll talk about, wow, this will be a, you know, this, this project is a, is a landmark project. It's going to put us into this particular region. We'll be known as the uh, experts in the, in, uh, you know, construction in medical facilities. And you might say, what does that, what will that mean for you? Well, we're forming a new division. We're expanding to include healthcare as an entirely separate division and hopefully I'm going to be able to lead that t- division. So now you've got all of this great energy and positive thought around this future outcome. Because if you start talking about the problem, it's very stressful uh, and they associate you with, okay, you, 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 uh, this is all, you know, detail uh, I can see that you are the technical person. You're more of the the doer as opposed to being, you know, like me. We're thinking about the success. We're thinking about the journey. Now, there is a time then to backtrack once you've got that success uh, feeling because then you can create an anchor that anchors you to success. Every time they think about you, they think about that success in nine months' time. They don't just think about all of the hurdles and the problems that they've got to go through. So there you have it, executive presence, that ability to talk a dog off a meat counter or to have a prospect work with you and partner with you, often placing their entire career in your hands, is all about that executive presence. Executive presence is communicated in the space of a few heartbeats. It's an aura that you exude. And it's influenced by your posture, by your breathing, by the way that you master the pause, and that you're talking about success and outcomes. And this is preceded by having a great first impression, which often can be on social. So make sure your profiles are done correctly. I hope you found some of that uh, useful. I'm always happy to talk about these subjects and give you uh, some ideas and coaching. Um, Until next time. Well, we've come to the end of another great episode. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Please, if you enjoyed the show, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars would be perfect. Let us know. Put some comments in there. That would be fantastic. And if you want more show notes and review some of the other episodes, please go to sellthesizzle.net. That's sellthesizzle.net. See you next week.